Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you're listening. You're listening to The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. This is the 24th episode of The Shift. It's being recorded on January 15th, 2018. If you like what you're listening to, please think about becoming a patron. That's patreon.com backslash The Shift. You can find out more information about the show on our Facebook page at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Go to join the conversation on Twitter at McKenty and find out my archives and other information on my website, www.theshiftnow.com. My guest on the program today is Sandra Fecht, a counselor who has spent decades helping clients from disassociative identity disorder. While DID is caused by a variety of traumatic experiences, Sandra discovered that many of her patients displayed symptoms characteristic of a few of a very systematic methodology. In other words, someone with a great deal of knowledge about the human psyche had purposefully created and imposed multiple personalities on her clients for the purpose of creating a mind-controlled slave capable of performing tasks as one person, then switching to another personality with no recollection of the action previously performed. These clients appeared to be victims of a variety of groups ranging from satanic and luciferian cults to government-sponsored intelligence agencies, and were programmed for a variety of tasks, including assassination, prostitution, and intelligence gathering. While many in the fields of um, psychological counseling have discounted these stories as the ravings of delusional clients, Sandra is among a large group of therapists who find the type of systemic abuse required to create the hierarchy of personalities programmed for these specific functions could only result from the actions of a highly organized group with well-educated and knowledgeable operatives, trainers, and handlers. Thank you, Sandra Fecht, for coming on the show, and thank you so much for helping to make the shift. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. It's really, excuse me, through people such as yourself that we get the word out, and that really helps to make the shift. We need awareness. Well, it is uh, fascinating, as, and I just want to tell everybody who's listening, I read the book Becoming Yourself, Overcoming Mind Control and Ritual Abuse by Allison Miller, uh, just to kind of educate myself as to the complexity of what's really going on here. And it's amazing what these groups are doing and the extent of the damage that they're able to do to these certain individuals. Um, and then... It's, it has been so difficult to get the word out. Uh, they're just, I think it's so difficult to believe them. These people are already suffering from multiple personalities. Uh, many of the, many of the therapists and the counselors that are help, trying to help them out don't even really believe what they're saying. So do you want to talk, just get started talking about, you know, how you got started in the field, what it was like when you got started in terms of approaching this, and then what happened to you as you started to find clients that were, you know, afflicted with this type of disassociative disorder? Sure. Um, well, nobody comes in, <clears throat> excuse me, saying they're dissociative. Most people who come in don't even know it. Uh, and I choose to think of it in a bit of a different way, which I'll get to as the program progresses. Uh -huh. um, I graduated with my first degree in psychology in 1968 and for many years worked uh, with culturally disadvantaged, culturally different uh, people. I lived in the Northwest Territories, and, and I'd like to take a moment just to ex uh, explain my experience there, Doug. 
because I feel it was a really important part of my education. The people there had a very different society. They were not governed top down. Um, when I met these folks in 1970, the people were still living off the land. Mm -hmm. They were still going out hunting and scraping hides and smoke tanning them to create clothing, drying their meat to get through the winter, and so on. Wow. They, yeah, it was really a privilege and an honor for me to witness this. Mm -hmm. um, many of your listeners who are studying language, I would really urge them to help preserve old languages because they contain concepts that maybe the majority society does not hold. For example, when we talk about our children, we say, you know, these are my children. And that implies an ownership and a hierarchical level of authority and control. And when I learned some of the dog rib language, uh, which was part of the tribe that I lived close to, what they would say is, these are the people who came through me, which implies respect and non-ownership. It was not an authoritarian relationship, <clears throat> pardon me, even with their children. And so the children were free to make whatever decisions they chose to make. And they had what the Adlerians refer to as an internal locus of control. In other words, they were very self-directed and very grounded. I had never come across people like this. The men were as tender as the women in terms of expressing emotion and taking care of children, even though they were tough enough to go out, you know, at 40 below and encounter whatever they would find in the wilderness, mm -hmm. you know, which in the summer they could run across a bear or, you know, a rutting moose or whatever. But so they were brave. It wasn't as if their tenderness made them uh, effeminate or anything. They were brave men who had a well-developed feminine side. And the women were women, but they had a well-developed male side. You know, they, they hadn't yet descended into their wounded male and female the way so many of us have mm -hmm. as a result of wars and um, industrialization and the hierarchical thing that we've been exposed to. If a hunter came back with a moose, the meat was divided in terms of giving it firstly to the, the elderly and the sick and the children and the women. And the, it went up the tribe in inverse order of status. So the hunter and the chief were uh, the ones who got to choose last which parts of the animal they wanted to eat. And it's exactly the opposite of what we have in our culture. So everybody was looking out for everyone. I was hired to do some, uh, you know, teach them how to be white people kind of. Uh, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I did it in kind of a cross-cultural way. Like this is how we as uh, Canadian Europeans do this, Euro-Canadians. And how does your culture do it? Uh, so we got to compare and contrast the two cultures. But when I would give a test for academics, uh, everybody was looking at everybody else's paper. And initially, from my European orientation, 
I thought they're all cheating, but they weren't all cheating. They were all helping one another and making sure that the person next to them understood how to complete the test because they worked as a tribe mm -hmm. and really helped one another. Um, the next step in my development was to work at a training school in central Ontario. And these were jails for uh, teenage girls. And these girls, some of them had been prostituting since they were nine years old or younger. And this was back in the mid-70s before we really understood what was going on. But we thought these girls were just bad. We did not ever question how did they learn the trade of prostitution? Right. Who secured the clients? Who took care of the financial aspect? We didn't ask those questions. What we did was just put them in jail and just think they were bad. And when you look at it now, that sounds absolutely criminal and ludicrous. Uh, but that's how it was back then. And in the early 80s, I moved to um, the town I'm in now, which is Aurelia. And, and I love Aurelia. Aurelia is a great town. We have little hills for skiing. We have lakes for swimming and summer fun, boating and all of that. Aurelia is a great town. Um, and it's no worse than any other town <laughs> discovered. At first I thought, oh gosh, Aurelia is a terrible place because of all this that's going on. But it's in every town out there. Your town, if you're listening, is not exempt. Mm. So I worked at the mental health center at the hospital. And there was an announcement one day that the Children's Aid Society had come across children that they knew had been sexually abused. We didn't quite call it that back then, but they knew that these children had been molested. And they had brought up a specialist from the States. Her name was Cindy Blazewski to train us in how to do sexual abuse therapy. And so the volunteers had to volunteer five hours a week for two years. And something inside of me said, this is really important. So I did that. And I learned so much from that training. And I started to realize the adults that I was looking at, at, at the mental health center, exhibited the same symptoms as the kids that we were dealing with who had been molested. So I took the case and brought it before rounds at the hospital and said, I think these patients have been sexually abused. Well, it was such a foreign idea back in the you know early to mid-80s to suggest that that I, I was just marginalized at that point. I was huh. yelled at, told it never happened except in my filthy mind or maybe in California once in a while. <laughs> right. So I was serious. Well, you know, it turned out that Aurelia's right up there in terms of abuse stats. Hmm. Uh, so eventually I started my own practice and started developing um, methods that would help access the folks who had repressed memories. And we didn't even call it that back then. It was just like, oh, they can't really remember. Huh. So anyway, uh, so I developed some really fine methodologies. I realized, for example, that like I took a hypnotherapy course and I realized that you can't put people directly into a very deep state in uh, because it just doesn't work with this population. You've got to get them into a nice light state, an alpha state. And in the alpha state, uh, where you close your eyes, where you just stare far, these folks are able to 
to retrieve memories that they have uh, stuffed out. When something is too traumatic, or you've been drugged, for example, mm -hmm. then your brain secretes cortisol. And what happens is that the cortisol acts like a barrier to prevent you from remembering anything that was overwhelming and you could not digest at the time is stored behind that cortisol wall. And the thing is that taking up space in your brain is a very valuable real estate and the brain wants to unload it and work it through. And so what it does is it leaves you a symptom. It's like, okay, you can rent space in the brain, uh, you know, so that you, because you weren't ready to process it, but we're gonna leave you a little calling card and it's gonna be that symptom. And it tugs at you to say, hey, remember this, because we need that space cleaned up so that you have more processing room. You either have room for storage or you have room to move about, just like in a house. And we need this cleared out. So anybody who has a resistant symptom probably has something being stored in their brain that needs to be cleaned out. And you can do that. Uh, through a very light hypnosis, a very gentle hypnotherapy. So I started to listen more and more to my clients, and the better I got at this, the, the more deep they were able to go. And I'll never forget this one client who started to, like it was his first regression, and he started to say, okay, I'm in a room full of lizards or dinosaurs or crocodiles walking around. Wow. And yeah. It, his first regression, it was early on in my experience with this. And I remember thinking, you're just avoiding. And I said to him, well, now let's get to the real issue. And I mean, he was giving me the real issue mm -hmm. right at the top. Um, but I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't listening. And uh, I was going more with my training than with the client's experience. And believe me, all you healers, counselors, hypnotherapists, massage therapists, whatever, psychologists out there, if you have a choice to go with your client's truth or your training, go with your client's truth. Yeah. Because that's where the important stuff is. You know? And... Yes, it's not an easy thing to do because you don't get, uh, at this point in the development of believing these things, you don't get a ton of respect from your own community, you know, but it's there. And are you going to sacrifice your own clients to try and maintain the esteem that you have with your fellow professionals or are you going to help the client out? And that's a choice that people are going to have to make. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you have anything to ask before I go on, Doug, or if I should just keep uh, telling the story. Well, I mean, I think you might as well. Uh, it's, it, it sounds like you're touching on a lot of the things that I wanted to get to, um, especially it seems like where you were going with um, listening to your client's truth. I mean, I think that we as people have uh, such a tendency to want to impose our beliefs on other people, but everybody's had such different experiences. And it seems like, I mean, even in terms of the therapy and how well it actually functions, uh, you know, the client is going to have to really trust you. 
So just going with what they're telling you makes a lot more sense to me in terms of helping the client to heal than trying to fight what they're saying and pretending like, oh, it's certainly it can't be true, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that when you're told these stories, whether it's aliens, cloning, um, you know, blood sacrifice, whatever, that when you're told these stories, it really shakes up your own paradigm. And sometimes you just don't want to listen because it's too big a truth for you to be able to face. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard some really incredible stories, but what I've come to realize, which I hope we have time to touch on more later, is that those who run the world and who train us at the universities, and not everybody, of course, I mean, there are lots of great people in every profession and every church and so on, but there are those who would mislead us as well to protect the interests of those at the top who are not working in our best interests. Mm-hmm. So in every field it's there, and uh, we have to be cognizant of that. So what happened for me was I was listening to these stories, and, you know, I just I had to hear out my clients because... When you've heard the same story 20 or 30 times, you start to see a pattern and you realize that they're not all crazy in the same way. They're all telling the truth in the same way. And I, by then I knew enough to say to people, please don't speak about this publicly mm-hmm. because, you know, I was getting the sense that there might be some local folks who wouldn't want it known that they were sacrificing children. <laughs> You know, and it's still happening to this very day and this very moment. And, um, yeah, just on that note, there's something like 8 million children a year that go missing, and 4 million of them are never found. Yeah. You know, uh, sadly, I know some of what happens to some of them. Right. Anyway, so I had told my clients, like, please don't speak about this because it's too dangerous. Well, this one person did continue to speak of it, and I received a life-threatening phone call, and um, I reported that to the police. I had also reported the list of potential suspects to the police under a separate uh, uh, visit to the station, and my building was spray-painted with symbols that I later found out was satanic. Or satanic. I had no idea that symbols and shapes carried so much power. Wow. Yeah. Like, there are symbols that will strengthen you and symbols that will weaken you and architecture that will strengthen or weaken you. Mm. Uh, I love the work of Ibrahim Karim, uh, you know, because he talks about architecture that will balance your energy field. Uh, you know, but we have been deliberately misled away from this stuff. Anyway. Right. So, when I reported the building being sprayed, the young officer who came to investigate that, I I told him, I said, I have two other reports on this. And he came back to me and he said, Sandra, you need to know that all your reports are being prematurely deleted. So someone was eliminating my reports from the police station. That for me was a convincing that there really was something going on that I was not paying a great deal of attention to. Um, everybody needs to be convinced of this 
So, and each of us needs to investigate what our convincers are. And I came up with a list that, you know, I'm happy with. And one is if it's in the Bible. Um, and, you know, if you look at the work of Gary Wayne, are you familiar with his work? No, I haven't checked it out. Yeah, you and your listeners really have to check out Gary Wayne's work. He's written a book called The Genesis 6 Conspiracy. And he calls himself a Christian contrarian. And uh, what he talks about is when he got to Genesis 6 in the Bible, and Genesis 6 says, the sons of the gods lusted after the daughters of men and lay with them, and from that came the Nephilim. And I remember reading that, you know, when I was a kid, reading the Bible, and as an adult, thinking, come, that's curious, and I just skipped over it and moved on. Right. Barry Wayne was a bit smarter than that. He spent 30 years researching it. And he wrote this eight or nine hundred page book, huh. and he explains everything, including the beginnings of all the secret societies, the secret men's clubs, and what's in it for them, and the reptilians, and it's all in there. So he has done an exhaustive study of this, including the fact that there are over 500 cultures in the world that believe in reptilians. I mean... You know, we have had it erased from our memory as a culture. Right. Uh, in spite of the fact that there are thousands of statues in Europe of dragons and so on. Right. <laughs> well, one, every- of, one of the things I like to get into on the show, I haven't delved into it too much yet, but I will. And I'm glad that you brought up your experience with the indigenous cultures, because I do find that, you know, there is a lot of like forgetfulness that's gone on in these in these modern European cultures. Um, you know, when every other culture, you talk a lot, you've talked a little bit about energy work, and I do Tai Chi. I've done Tai Chi for 20 years, so I, I understand the, the Chinese system pretty well. And, um, y- you know, it's amazing that Europeans and the European lineage has basically forgotten all of this. There's so much knowledge out there when you start, and, and then Europeans... People in the European tradition are arrogant about it. Like, oh, that stuff is just crazy talk. It's like, well, how did every other culture in the history of the world figure all of this stuff out and have this worldview? This culture is the only one that seems to have, you know, forgotten all of this knowledge. But um, we're supposed to be the one that's correct and all of the rest of them are wrong. I mean, it's ridiculous, really, when you think about it. And yet it's hard to break through that, that I, I don't know what it is, like a European arrogance or, you know, actually where I've been going with it is that it's a brainwashing. It's a, it's a form of mind control on the breast of us. I mean, we're talking about really extreme cases uh, here today with your clients and what you've discovered with the disassociative identity problems. But, you know, really everyone as a part of this European culture, I've learned to call it a, a colonized culture. Um, because they really have controlled the knowledge that we get as a people for a long time. And um, we've forgotten more than we remember, really. I mean, our, you know, our European heritage from a thousand years ago knew all of this as well, just like all the indigenous people know it today. And the, you know, the Hindu uh, culture and the Taoist culture from China and all over the world. It's just us that have forgotten this stuff. And so I hope people can keep that in mind, because it does sound from the, you know, the traditional white European perspective that you start to go down these rabbit holes and it's so far out, people can't handle it. 
But actually, everybody else has always believed this stuff. So maybe we should like, you know, there's got to be a crack in the wall there. Come on, be at least be open minded to it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at Chinese acupuncture, they can do surgery without anesthetic just by blocking energetic paths, you know, with acupuncture needles. Mm. And when I was in Cambodia, I saw a temple devoted to the dark arts. I mean, they had like black things painted on them. And uh, I asked my Asian sister-in-law, what is that? And she said, oh, we don't talk about that one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's a temple devoted to the wrong thing. Right. It is everywhere. I mean, in Haiti with voodoo and uh, other cultures, it, it, this goes on everywhere. But um, where I was going to uh, go with this was back in the, mid, the Middle Ages when they had the witch burnings. You remember that face? Mm -hmm. There's a book called um, uh, Witch Craze, I think it is. And there's an NFB film in Canada called The Burning Times. And uh, it talks about what happened during that time. And Witch Craze uh, reports that between three and nine million women, mostly women, some men, were killed because they had these abilities to heal and to see things. Yeah. And so what I've come to the conclusion is that, yes, it was power to start you know, reining in the ability of these healing women, but also I'm wondering, you know, because there really are shape-shifting beings and shape-shifting reptilians, and, you know, Gary Wayne got Blossom reports in his book that uh, there, it's reported in the Bible that there are changelings, like people who can take on one form or another. And if you wanted to control somebody and you were shape-shifting interdimensional or fallen angel or whatever else, then one of the best ways to do that would be to convince people that doesn't exist, <laughs> you know, like sure. that's not happening. Like <laughs> these, um, this is not the droid you're looking for sort of thing, you know? Absolutely. I mean, even in terms of the healing systems that you're talking about from, uh, you know, from other parts of the world, or even these, like these quote unquote witches had access to healing powers. So they were independently powerful people that could take care of themselves. And if you're trying to enslave a mass population, you know, you want to eliminate that knowledge so people don't know how to tap into it. And then you get to control what's, you know, where, where people have access to their health care or the knowledge that people have access to whatsoever so you can continue to get away with whatever it is that you're doing behind the scenes. Yeah, and that's, I do believe, exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. um, and what what continued to happen, hold on, I'm writing down a book I want to mention, okay. uh, was that they centralized everything so that everything was kind of corporately controlled. Anyway, so the other thing is that by putting us through industrialization and wars, you know, you only have to traumatize a certain percentage of the population to have everybody traumatized. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, not only have we been through these uh, witch burnings, but there has been a war in every generation. You know, uh, my generation skipped the wars in Europe, but we have wars in Vietnam and Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan and Bosnia and Croatia and other places, so there, were, there was always war. Right. And these wars are deliberately set 
you know, they're deliberately determined and uh, to gain money for the upper class, like the really top of the people, so-called top. I don't believe they're at the top at all, but anyway. Um, and to really enslave the rest of us and traumatize us. And I do believe that there is a genetic memory of all of this type of trauma from, you know, the witch burnings, industrialization, all of these wars. And it keeps us as, you know, good, obedient little beings. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, uh, God forbid one of us would think for ourselves and actually stand up to this group. Yeah. Back in those days, they used to burn us at the stake. Now they burn us legally and financially. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And it is amazing that the vast majority of people are willing to stand up to it. And it's getting more and more, I'm awakening to the fact that uh, there has to be some kind of mind control going on. And I, I, I can't agree with you more that the trauma of war and the trauma, heck, you know, the trauma of debt slavery that they've got most of us dealing with all of the time uh, is enough to really prevent us from awakening to our own personal power and being able to stand up to it. There is a great book called, by a guy called Alex Constantine, and he wrote a book called Psychic Dix Dictatorship, and it's about the hundred years of covert CIA experimentation on the American population. And uh, there is another quote from one of the videos that I, you know, I try to keep up on this stuff. There's so much good information out there. You just, you know, yeah, hard to keep up with everything. But there was a former head of the Masons back in the 1700s who wanted to uh, disband the Masonic order because he said we're being infiltrated by people who are starting to control the population with frequency and magnetism. Now this was like 200 and some years ago, you know, and they started to control us back then with this, so goodness knows what all these new towers and everything else that's going on, what they're doing to us uh, with fluoride in the water, with the kind of stuff that most people eat that they call food, and it's really not food, it's filler. Right. It's fattening us up, but not filling us um, or feeding us. Anyway, you know, we can get into that in a bit, but. I wanted to get back to the list of convincers, which I realized I didn't finish. Yeah. It's in the Bible. If it's scientifically proven, if there's another culture that uh, believes it, if I've heard it from several people or have my own experience with it, um, I think I'm missing one, but uh, you know, you get the idea, or if there's any other reason. And for me, the fact that my police reports were all deleted mm -hmm. as a convincer, you know, who would benefit from deleting those police reports? So that's what I was one of my convincers. The other was, I mean, most women, when they go to the hairdressers, you know, every hairdresser should have a degree in therapy. Yeah. Or we, we tell them everything, you know. I was saying, oh my gosh, I'm hearing all these crazy stories. I don't know what to make of this, you know. And she said, well, haven't you heard about David Icke? Right. And this was back in the 90s, and I had not heard of David Icke. And in those days, there was no internet. So I ordered the book, and 
you know, started reading The Biggest Secret or The World's Biggest Secret, and there wasn't a thing in that book that I hadn't already found. Huh. So it, it was such a paradigm shift for me, Doug, because, you know, on the one hand, it was like, yay, I'm on the right path. And on the other hand, it was like, oh, my God, this is the path. Yeah, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like Han Solo realizing that great huge thing was Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt. So, yeah, so it just went on from there. Any questions? I mean, I'm really enjoying the story. I think that the thing that people are going to be most interested in maybe is, I mean, you were hearing all of this from your clients. It, it is just so difficult to comprehend uh, how you make the transition from, you know, thinking that you're a part of this advanced civilization, you know, to suddenly realizing that the wool has been pulled over your eyes, you know, your entire life and that there's an entirely different, uh, you know, paradigm reality that's out there. I mean, it's, I think the most interesting thing you've, you've, you've really said so far to me, maybe you could expand on this is that, you know, your clients are basically telling you this worldview and then you read it in, in a David Icke book. I mean, almost verbatim, exactly what's going on. So, uh, you know, just how fascinating is that and how, well, why don't you describe, you know, you had multiple patients that were all telling you similar stories so that because this corroborates, you know, at least your transition from, you know, being Western educated to suddenly recognizing this alternative reality. Yeah, I remember the day and, and I'm not much of a drinker. I'm going to like start with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I really am not. I can't do alcohol at all, but uh, or drugs. But I remember when I realized, like the penny dropped, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, all these brutal stories—they're true." Yeah. Because until that time, I was sending these folks back to their psychiatrist for more medication and drugging and institutionalization because they were obviously crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, for a paradigm. But if they're telling the truth, if they are telling the truth, if alien abduction is happening, if people are out there sacrificing children to Satan and, you know, doing disgusting things like, you know, I mean, if you have children listening, maybe turn this program down for a moment. But, they, you know, they were reporting things like um, eating flesh and drinking blood and extreme tortures and disgusting things like urination and defecation on people to create trauma, you know, having animals do things to children and people that should never, ever be done. I'm sure you can imagine. Anyway, I, I was just shocked. It meant all of this was true and it was really going on. Wow. And yeah, like animal torture. All you animal rights people out there, you should be up in arms about this because you have no idea how many animals are tortured and sacrificed because what they're looking for is blood sacrifice to Satan. They believe that, you know, by doing this, their side will be strengthened. It's a lot of black magic. Um, anyway, when I realized, you know, something happened, and I don't even remember what, but it was something that somebody said that I thought, oh my God, they're telling me the truth and I have not been listening. And I came home and I sat and stared out of the window and looking in the direction that 
you know, I was sitting that night. I had gone actually to a minister at the church and said, you know, I'm hearing this, what do you think? And he said, oh, it's all true. And I said, well, why can't they stop it? And I mean, his explanation was, well, under the freedom of religion, unless they're breaking the law and that can be proven, you know, and of course they break multiple laws with murder and kidnapping and torture and causing harm and so on, and even animal cruelty, which is illegal, um, then we can't do anything unless all of that can be proven. And that there's so many uh, upper echelons who are involved in this mm -hmm. that we really, you know, evidence disappears on its way up the chain, you know. I, I just came home that night and I sat in front of that window and I had five glasses of sherry, which is the biggest drinkathon I've had in my entire right. life. <laughs> 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 Not twice, but it, it, I couldn't cope with it. Yeah. No, I really could not cope with it, and uh, and I had to start putting it all together because I have a need to understand what's going on in this world, and I'm not one to sit back and just say, you know, my life is fine, uh, I'll just take care of my life. It's like, no, we all have a responsibility to one another, right. and we have a responsibility to our children and our grandchildren, and I just... I just got to help people realize what's going on. You know, we go ahead. Doug. Well, I just want to, you know, just to clarify these traumatic experiences. I mean, what like exactly what now are you finding is going on? They're taking uh, orphans, children, kidnapped children, and they're putting them through some kind of ritual abuse in order to split their personalities. Like, you know, what's the function of this? What What's the system? What are these people being put through by what kind of groups and why, I guess? You know, just to put it all into context. So just a small question. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> no big deal. I mean, you, you know, take one example or something. Just try to try to get be, be a little more specific about how, you know, and why these groups are doing this. Okay, how much time do we have left? We we can keep on going. I'm not. We've been going for about forty minutes. I'm happy to do another forty minutes or so. I, I don't really have any time constraint. Okay. Well, there are various groups that have various purposes. Okay, there are alien groups, military groups, um, scientific groups, government groups, uh, intergenerational groups, and. They all have their own agendas and their own methods. So, you know, some of these groups are so far ahead of us that you wouldn't believe what they can do in terms of technology. You know, I've heard many stories of uh, space time travel, for example. I've heard stories of cloning. Um, how did they do it? All of them, all of them create dissociative experiences with pain uh -huh. or, or another. Uh, many of them are after our electromagnetic energy. And what they want to do is keep us in a very low frequency, you know, with anger and grief and shame and confusion and denial and so on. Because then they can access us. The lower reptilian or the reptilians in the lower fourth dimension can access us more easily 
I've actually mm-hmm. witnessed one person start to shift into another form. And um, I mean, that was quite startling. And, okay. you know, you, you start, they closed their eyes to do the regression. It was their first regression. They opened their eyes and they were yellow. And then I'm, I'm sure they were slitty, but I was, you know, like the reptilian eyes, but I can't remember because I was so surprised. <laughs> right. And uh, in a voice that was not this woman's voice, something from, like, she sort of stretched and extended her tongue, and they did things like something was trying to put her on, like a piece of clothing or something. And that was not her voice. It was the most, I, I just don't know how to describe that voice. But she, um, she started to speak to me, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I do here, you know? And uh, my inner voice said, uh, interview it. I'm like, okay, who are you? You know, what are you there for? And I can't remember all the answers. But what it said was like that she was his and that, you know, he was there to claim that sort of thing. And I said, well, you're not welcome here. And maybe, you know, you should be moving on sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, when she came to, she looked at me and she said, Sandra, if you had shown any fear, that thing would have jumped across the table and killed you. Wow. And, but we are shown, unless you can, uh, you know, you can punch it, it's, it doesn't exist. That's our culture. We don't believe mm-hmm. in precognition or distance healing or telepathy or, you know, any of those things. Those are all considered bizarre. But to most cultures in the world, those are not bizarre. Those are quite normal. And when you're still in touch with your heart, and not your head. Your head will give all kinds of crazy judgments, but when you're in touch with your heart, then you can access this type of thing more easily. Um, so there are all these different groups. They all have different technology, different methods. The ancient groups uh, know about which seeds and which hand motions and which chants and which vowels will create a certain effect. Hmm. And you know, I know that the ancient groups also, if they're educated enough, they know what to do at which developmental stage to get the most control over the person. In the end, they're all after control of one sort or another, whether they're turning you into a sex slave or a sacrifice or a secret operative. I love that movie with Gina Davis, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Do you remember that movie? I haven't seen it, but yeah. That was a really good movie. And the other one with um, George Clooney, Men Who Stare at Goats. You know, and they all tell you exactly what's going on. Uh, there's a Netflix series called Blacklist. And they feature some uh, aspect of this type of thing every week. But we don't believe there are things like spirits and so on. Yeah. But there, there's another book that I would like to to uh, bring your attention to by a guy called William Baldwin and it's spirit releasement therapy because sometimes you know what the ancient groups want by using all their methods is to make your body available to a walk-in such as a lower frequency demon or something and they take over and I've had many cases like that Hmm. where these demonic influences come in and take over a body. 
Yeah, I mean, just to play the skeptic for a little bit, and that's like the uh, Allison Miller book that I read, she would claim that all of these demonic entities were actually just programs, that humans had programmed these personalities into you by, you know, from her from her interpretation, the, maybe even the the trainer or whoever was doing this abusive behavior would dress up like a reptilian or dress up like a demon uh, and then program the the this per, this personality into that person uh, for some specific function in the whole hierarchy of the of the disassociative personality that they were creating, and that was her perspective. So you know, just to <laughs> because the information is so difficult for people to really grasp, you know, where was it where you? I mean. We've already gotten into it. I get it. But I mean, to make that leap to realize that this is not something that a human being did, but actually, you know, an entity from another dimension or an actual extraterrestrial or an actual reptilian being, you know, that's the leap that was even challenging. I mean, even amongst those therapists that are or those counselors that are prepared to accept that this is even, a you know, something that's existing, this type of ritual abuse at all. Um, then to take that extra leap and say, well, these are multi-dimensional beings who are actually doing this. Can you just go into that a little bit further? Sure. And I've had this discussion with Allison. Uh -huh. and, and she thinks, oh, it's just like smoke and mirrors. But I'm going to tell you a couple of experiences that um, have occurred you know, to me. Uh, I was running a group in my office, and it was the end of the day, and... This one lady um, started to shift into something, and the woman sitting beside her is a lawyer. So, I mean, she's not a stupid person, not a gullible person. And there was a hockey player sitting across from her, and the hockey player was, uh, you know, you're a hockey player, you're a pretty brave guy, you know, get battered around by people and so on. And he was kind of confused by his emotion. He said, I, I, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I, I think it's fear. Yeah. <laughs> like the vibration of fear coming off of this one woman was like, okay. And the temperature in the room just plummeted. Wow. And Yeah. And so the lawyer said, you know, there are waves of cold coming off of this person. And there were a couple of other things. I mean, this was many years ago, so I'm kind of uh, forgetting some of the details. But that is true, that there was this energy of fear and this uh, wave of pull. And the other thing this woman said, and it was her last night in group, and she said, well, I want to thank you for saving my life. And she said that in her normal voice. And then, again, in a voice that we can't duplicate, she said, and I will never recommend anybody to you as long as I live. <laughs> it was like, okay, now I know what's wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> and it was that other being that was taking over. And, uh, yeah, so that's what happened. Um, another example I have of this, I mean, so I know that there was no setup in that office, the way Allison had said, you know, oh, it's just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You know, that was my office. It was the end of the day. No one could have done that. Um, 
anyway, the other one was um, a young lady who, I mean, she's as cute as a button. And uh, I use a method called muscle testing. To I don't know if you know applied kinesiology or muscle testing. Yeah, not really. You could describe that if you have the time. Sure. Um, there's a book by uh, two books that are really useful for this. One is Dr. John Diamond, Your Body Doesn't Lie, or Life Energy. There are two books he's written. And the other is um, Dr. David Hawkins, Power Versus Force. And you can learn about this through the One Brain people um, or Touch for Health people. Uh, they can do some training in this stuff. But your, your body doesn't lie. It will tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. And so if you have an indicator muscle, like if you put your arm out and you do, you put protection around yourself, spiritual protection, and you go, give me a yes, give me a no, or you use your hand, give me a yes, give me a no, your body will tell you anything you need to know as long as your frequency is high enough. Huh. So I used muscle testing on this girl to determine what was the priority, what should we be talking about that day. And it turned out that it was um, what she was eating. So I said to her, what did you have for breakfast? And she said, oh, chocolate bar and a Coke. Right. Not exactly on Canada's food rules. <laughs> and um, I said, okay, and lunch? And oh, it was Big Mac and fries. And I'm like, oh, that's like not too nutritious. And uh, so is this usual? She said, oh, no. And I said, Something occurred to me. I thought, oh, my God, she's been drinking. I said, well, were you drinking this week? And she said, oh, yeah, it was my birthday. And I tied one on every night. Uh. And I'm like, okay. Because when you get drunk or you have indiscriminate sex, it allows other energies to come into you. This whole thing with hookups with kids these days, it's just like, you know what you're doing to your energetic field when you do this. It's really terrible. Anyway, so what had happened was when she was drinking, her energy field had opened up too much, and some energy had come into her that had taken her over, and it was addicted to uh, junk food and soap offers, and she'd been eating all this junk food and watching all these soaps. So we did a shamanic removal wow. of that spirit, and, and she was fine after that. didn't happen again. So, yeah. Does that answer that question? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I think, you know, Shakespeare said there are more things between heaven and earth or a dream dog in your philosophy, Horatio. So, I can't discount this. I mean, I, I think I'm sensitive to uh, seeing and hearing these things. Um, but I think there are many other people out there who are sensitive to it, too. And, you know, it, the other thing is that you start to have a professional designation and you get into this stuff and you start to have problems with your professional governing body. Yeah. So, you know, I know that there are people out there practicing this in a clandestine way so that their professional body doesn't find out and they will still have their status with the professional group. So we have to tread carefully until there's enough awareness that we can do this openly. Sure. It is amazing. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've been actually becoming more aware of is the amount of censorship that happens in this 
society because uh, it's not like book burning anymore, but there's a lot of pressure by like you're talking about, whatever it is, certification groups. Uh, I've had problems at my local NPR radio station because if they don't report it on NPR, you know, the people don't want to hear it. (laughs) Um, And it's just when you start discussing this alternative worldview, something that I am um, coming up against over and over again when I talk to people like you is uh, uh, certain indigenous experience. I think that if you are open-minded to uh, Native American ways or indigenous cultures in general, then suddenly you, you know, over time you start to become more aware of this alternative paradigm. Um, and my experience also with Tai Chi, like what you're talking about with the, uh, that the body doesn't lie. I mean, it's all in, in the uh, traditional Chinese system as well. You know, they, they knew all of this. Once it becomes more and more apparent that other cultures have always known all of this stuff, and that we're actually the strange, you know, the strange culture that seems to have forgotten what, you know, to most cultures is very obvious. Um, you know, I, I am, I'm with you. I hope that the awareness continues to grow so that um, at least we're able to talk about it, like you're saying, without having to worry about losing your license or not being able to practice your job anymore. I mean, it's uh, it's gotten really crazy. Certainly. You know, everybody knows, like, with what I'm doing here, I had to go onto the Internet because the mainstream media is not going to be they just don't even let you talk about it. Like, hey, I mean, I don't necessarily know what's true or not, but at least we can have conversations about it. Right. Oh, no. You know, we can't talk about this. And that lends credence to the idea that there is these controllers that are at the top of the pyramid won't let us talk about it, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's true. And uh, there's a book by somebody called William Carr, and it's called, the book is called Pawns in the Game. And what he does in that book, now the book is anti-Semitic and it's racial, racially biased. And uh, so you have to sort of get over that, but it was written a hundred years ago or so. And he outlines the history of some of these, uh, the Illuminati and some of the other things. And what he talked about was that in the 1700s in Brussels, there was a group that got together and decided how they would take the world over. And they had like a 26-point plan, which they have carried out. But part of it was like seize the wealth, foment wars, um, give people raises, but uh, take it give it with one hand and take it with the other so they think they're getting ahead but they never are <laughs> control the information control the media um, uh, make drugs and alcohol freely available so that the kids get addicted yeah and it just goes on and on and you know what that they've done it you know and one of their things was don't let anybody know what we're doing until it's too late and resistance is futile sort of thing and, you know, I'm hoping that we get there before they do. Right. <laughs> you, know? you know, one of the things that I've really uh, come across is that detoxification. I mean, I think that the fact that they feed us, you know, for such an advanced civilization that we have no real idea how to take care of ourselves. I mean, the food that they feed you in the hospital or in the public education <laughs> systems, you know, and you're like, Shouldn't they be teaching us how to be healthy human beings, you know, and, and how is it that, that this is not happening? And even though 
it's right in front of everybody's face that like the corporations and the government are pushing, you know, what is obviously an unhealthy lifestyle on all of us. Um, and that's something I think that each and every one of us really needs to do is take on that goal personally to detoxify because it's the only way that, you know, you can have a clean enough system even to like you're talking about raise your awareness and raise your fre frequency to a place where you can start to kind of see what's going on right in front of your face. I mean, I was just listening to your list, like, you know, taking control of the media or, you know, perpetual war. I mean, who... Nobody knows anyone that wants perpetual war. So why are we living in a state of perpetual war? Like, why can't we stop that? And why has it been going on for so long? And everybody seems to just say like, well, it's just human nature or it's just inevitable, but it's not. You know, somebody's doing this to us <laughs> and we need to figure out how to stand up to that and make it stop because, and the more they do it to us, the more challenging it is to get it to stop because the, the more they get us to endure this trauma, then the more we become subject to this kind of mind control that that you're talking about. Um, you know, when you see you see this kind of mind control happening, can you just go into the specifics of what you're seeing in your clients? Like how many do they have many multiple personalities? I mean, what does the trauma end up, you know, doing to them? And how are they getting out then? And also, how are they getting out of it? Like, what does it take? You said a lot of your clients aren't even aware they have these issues. So why do they come to you in the first place and then, you know, discover that they do, they are this severely traumatized? Well, they come because their marriages aren't working. They're unhappy. They're feeling unfulfilled. Um, they maybe have an anger problem or they're shy or they are sexually uh, dysfunctional. Something there, there's some reason that uh, you know they can't make friends or something. There's some reason why people come in. They have some resistant symptoms, and I use the least interventionist method. So you know, for example, if you have a sore throat, if uh, gargling or a lozenge will work, you do that. If it goes away, you're great. Right. You know. But if you then, if it doesn't go away and you then need an antibiotic or surgery or whatever, you keep looking for the level of intervention that will deal with your problem. So I use that same idea, that same process in dealing with clients. And if the, you know, I'll teach them about resilience training or whatever to make the situation improve, you know. Um, if it doesn't improve, then you have to go for something deeper. And so I will teach them about energetic balancing and spiritual things and, uh, you know, teach them how to close their eyes and find their own truth. It's like, go, go within, ask your own guides to be with you and just tell me what you get. And I believe them, you know, yeah. and that is curative in itself. But anyway... So what I'll do is uh, help them to understand a bit about themselves. I'll use muscle testing and other energetic spiritual means to um, to help them determine what's going on within them. And uh, I like to give the power to the client, and uh, you know, so that they can start to really trust themselves because we are all so disenfranchised and disempowered in our culture. And 
uh, you know, it's great that I can do this, but they have to learn to do it. So I teach them to go within themselves. And what we're looking for are programs and triggers. You, we all have an energetic field, Doug. And uh, if the energy is flowing properly, and you know this from your Tai Chi experiences, that if the energy is flowing properly, you think straight, your emotions uh, have equanimity, your body feels healthy, you know, everything is fine. But if there is a meridian or a chakra that crashes, it affects the whole system. And you get symptomatic according to the bioenergetic uh, part that has uh, crashed. And I always liken it to uh, the hydroelectricity in the house, where if there is uh, a storm and the hydro goes off, then you're going to get symptomatic in your house, like the lights won't work or the fridge won't work or the TV or whatever. But if um, you go down and you put the breaker back on, everything is fine. So my belief is that everything can be energetically, spiritually healed. And so, uh, you know, when we say that there's multiple personality, um, for me, it's a question of which combination of switches are on or off. Mm -hmm. And so I teach people how to um, how to energy balance themselves so that they are bioenergetically functional. And when they're bioenergetically functional, they're not symptomatic. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I... I just want to say one thing on this topic because as you know, I, I practiced Tai Chi for years and years and I thought, oh, I'm learning the Tai Chi and it's all good. But I thought that, you know, then I learned, you know, you learn about the Chinese system and they'll say like, oh, you know, this emotion is stored in this organ. And I, right. I thought, well, that's kind of crazy. You know, I mean, I don't know if I can go there forever. I, I had a difficult time going there. But then suddenly I realized one day, like everybody knows when you detox, then you get frustrated and you get angry. And of course, the Chinese say, well, you know, the, the emotion of the liver is anger. And it's like, well, and, and is there any Western medicine that can tell you why that is? You know, no, they can't really explain why you get angry when you detox, but everybody knows that you do. So there, you know, if you can just be open minded to understanding that, like, yeah, we have this energetic system and it the beauty of it is that it integrates the mind and the body. So your psychology is connected with with your body in this way. You know, if you have tension in your organs or in your chakra system, I mean, I've gotten to a place and I'm certainly no master, but at least I can feel the flow of energy to a certain extent inside my body. So and I have so that's empirical knowledge that I have that this thing exists. Like it's funny to me now when I talk to people that are just, I mean, what do they think? I'm just crazy or that I'm not scientific. It's like, but I have all of this empirical knowledge. You know, I, because when I do my Tai Chi form, I feel this stuff going on all the time. And unless you want to sit down and start doing some meditation or doing some yoga or some Tai Chi, well, you're not going to have the empirical knowledge that I have, but you can't say that it's unscientific. You know, when I have the empirical data. I mean, it's not like my perspective. I don't know. I look at it very much at this point in my life as a science. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of mention that for those people maybe who are listening 
who just, you know, think it's a bunch of woo woo or whatever. I mean, it, and it took me, it took me a lot of time, you know, it took me years of even, even actively pursuing an understanding of the energetic system before I really started to go, oh yeah, you know, this is really how it works. And so I understand how difficult it is to make the transition, you know, but once you see it, then you, you know that it's true. I mean, and again, in my, in my experience for very scientific reasons, I mean, I, I have, you know, I can do experiments with my internal energy and I can feel how it works. And so, you know, I just, I just want to kind of, I don't want to clarify, um, for the people that are that have a hard time with this stuff, that it really actually the only reason why people have a hard time, I think, is more and more I'm getting to the understanding that it is because we've all been so traumatized. I mean, if you're in a relaxed state and you're not feeling, you know, you're not in that fight or flight mode because your father or your grandfather was in a war and suffered from PTSD, you know. Then if you're in a relaxed state, and I think then you get to, like you talked about a little bit earlier, thinking from your heart a little bit more than just from your head, uh, then a lot of this stuff becomes so obvious. It's not even a conversation, really. It's just a, something that everybody knows because you see it. I can observe it all the time. It's, it's almost crazy that other people don't understand that this is how the body works. I mean, it, it is actually, I mean, I think, and maybe you can talk about this. It, it has taken quite an effort on the part of the controllers in our society to prevent the average person from being able to see this stuff because, you know, I mean, they've had they've really had to actively m create a, a situation where we're all so ignorant of this. Absolutely. And, and I think you and I are a lot on the same page. Yeah. You know, that's the impression that I'm getting. What I always tell people is fundamentally every one of us is perfect. You know, and, and that doesn't excuse us of whatever we're here to learn. But right. we're perfect. But if we start to get angry, liver is compromised. If we start to get indecisive or uh, scared, you know, it's the water energy. Mm -hmm. And if we start to have grief or um, don't love ourselves, it's the lung, large intestine, the metal meridians, and so on and so on and so on. You know, if life isn't sweet and if you're not content it's earth energy spleen stomach and you know uh, if you don't have self uh, self-worth and so on it's heart the fire energy that if you're jealous or hysterical it's still those fire energies mm -hmm. so there's always you know that connection you are perfect if you're imperfect if you realize that you are getting angry or unhappy or whatever there's a meridian that's out and it's best just to learn what to do to balance those. And I've tried to simplify it as much as I can in a, an ebook that I've uh, put together, that I've assembled. I mean, I didn't invent this stuff. I just read enough and pulled it all together. So I do have an ebook uh, which can be accessed through sandraeffect at rogers.com. Um, S-A-N-D-R-A-F-E-C-H-T at rogers.com. It's $9. And um, when I have my new website completed, it will be available on my website, which is www.sandrafact.com. Um, so, you know, people can realize that they really are perfect. And anything else is energy imbalance. And so mm -hmm. I, I to teach them how to rebalance themselves. 
And people balance through different things. You know, uh, one of your venues was um, Tai Chi. For some people, it's music. And of course, I'm sure your listeners all know about the difference between 432 and 440 hertz. Yeah. You know, I'll just, as an aside, my son is in music school right now, and we're always, he's like on the quest for the Holy Grail to figure out how to produce music at 332 hertz. And it's actually kind of challenging. Like he can't, he bought a new tuner and he was like, I can't get this thing to go down to 332. And so we're... Four, four, three, two. Oh, sorry, four, thirty-two. Yeah, and but there is an app called uh, Four Three Two Player or something. There's an app that will actually retune things to that. Okay. Uh, someone just informed me of that the other day. Uh-huh. I I don't know how to download apps, but anyway, I'll let him know. He can figure it out. <laughs> Well, and I've heard from other musicians on my caseload that I'm so glad that your son is doing this. I, it's amazing. Yeah. There's something that every single career has to do in order to take a step to challenge what's going on and to improve the world. But I was told by a musician on my caseload recently that you can't even buy guitars that are made to tune to 432 anymore. So it's, uh, you know, we all have our challenges, whatever field we're in. Yeah. So I think the thing is, like, you talked a little bit about uh, how we've all been so deceived. And the thing for me is who really runs the world. Well, if you listen to Paul Hellier, the former Deputy Prime Minister of Canada and Minister of Defense, he's a 92-year-old man who goes around the world saying, It's not a question of whether or not the aliens are here. They are here. It's a question of government transparency. And he's addressed the United Nations on this. So um, you can find his speech if you Google his name. It's H-E-L-L-Y-E-R. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him. But it's these other beings and these interdimensionals. And... There was some Scottish hacker who got into NASA, and at this moment his name escapes me, but he found uh, a whole uh, list of extraterrestrials who were on the payroll of NASA, you know, and there is something like a $52 billion shortfall in the budget, you know, in the U.S., and I mean, I'm terrible at budgeting, but I'm not that bad. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) you'd think if they had accountants and stuff that they'd be able to balance it a bit better. But a lot of these uh, dollars have gone towards black ops and things that even the president doesn't have clearance. Yeah, I know. I did the interview with uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, who's the one that did the accounting on that. It's actually twenty one trillion dollars that she's found missing from the government budget in the last like 20 years. An unbelievable amount of amount of money that has gone missing. And then just recently, uh a uh, a PhD at the uh, University of Michigan, you know, called her out on it, said there's no way that's true. She said, double check my figures. And he did. And now he's he's actually going public saying, my God, there's twenty one trillion dollars missing. That's the amount of the entire U.S. deficit. Crazy. Yeah. And where is that money going? Yeah. You know, they're doing all kinds of um experiments and so on that we have no idea about and I, I I know that there are levels of 
uh, covert operations that even the president has no access to. Yeah. So who's running it? And if it really is these lower fourth dimensionals and the extraterrestrials, and I mean, they're good and bad on both, you know, like they're good lizards and not so good lizards. And right. So on, you know, because I really heard stories about people who were helped by these beings, and, and those beings lost their lives to try and protect some of the humans that uh, I've worked with. Huh. You know, but so you just can't, you know, paint it all the same color because it isn't. But for those who want to deceive us, the best thing is to keep it all a secret, right? Yeah. And and make us think that. The only thing that's going on is the sparkle, sparkle in front of us. I was amused uh, at some news station or a YouTube the other day I was watching, and they were saying, you know, they keep us looking at the, the three-legged duck while they're doing all these crazy things, and that's always the example I use. It's like, okay, you know, um, we have just, in, the Americans have just invaded Canada, but oh wait, special news bulletin, there's a three-legged duck that's been born in Anaheim, California, let's <laughs> right. three-legged duck. And it's not a news station, it's a distraction station. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're busy with this, which is meaningless and useless and stupid and mind-controlling, you know, and they do mind-control us with repetition and reframing and other things on the news, like, oh, so-and-so who's famous believes this, mm -hmm. and if you're famous, why would you believe it? You know? the, the repetition in the mind control is phenomenal. I can always tell when the propaganda rollout happens, because every mainstream media will cover the same event in approximately the same way. Maybe they'll create some kind of left-right paradigm about it. And then you'll just get article after article after article that reinforce. I mean, if you Google it the next day, there will be out 200 articles out about this topic in this way. And if I like, because I'm often looking for the alternative perspective. And I mean, I have to do really deep research to get to, to push these other 200 articles out of the way so I can find the handful of articles by alternative uh, media, you know, by uh, independent journalists that are just just to get a different perspective. I mean, not even necessarily super far out, you know, but just something that's not the mainstream perspective, you know, an academic with a slightly different point of view about, you know, about whatever the topic is, instead of just getting hammered over and over again with the mainstream corporate narrative. It's crazy. Oh, they wouldn't do that to us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is this is another thing that um is so difficult like you see that people are brainwashed about it like they want to believe that the mainstream media oh we have a free press in the United States it must be you know they're competing against each other they must be working to to discover the truth and give us the truth and it's just like oh man I mean you know, and I, it was something that, again, it takes a lot of time to wake up to it. It's so funny now that when it's so obvious how it operates, I just see it right in front of my face. But, you know, it took me 15 years of becoming slowly more and more open minded to suddenly be like, wow, I can't believe they get away with it. You know, <laughs> I know it's kind of head shaking, um, but gradually there'll be a tipping point. And uh, when that tipping point happens, and I'm really hoping 2018 is the year, you know? Yeah. Because when people, like, 
I'm just going to run through a few things. When I'm giving uh, speeches, I ask the audience, like, how many of you really believe that the economy is working in your individual best interest? No one puts up their right. hands. <laughs> Don't you believe the pharmaceutical industry is 100% committed to only your best interest? The education system. How about journalism? Right. What about the entertainment industry? And it goes on and on. We all know that there's something wrong somewhere, uh, but it's a question of like realizing the extent of it. And uh, to me, some of the things that demonstrate the extent of it are wh what's happening with our food supply. Yeah. I mean, there are people, um, I have this in one of my speeches, I've got the exact uh, references, but there was a health food store, an organic food store in San Francisco that was raided by the SWAT team because they were giving out food to the poor. <laughs> That's that, You weren't allowed to do that. And there's that veteran, that 90-year-old veteran in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, who, you know that? Uh, story? Yeah, I read about him. Yeah, who was giving food to the poor, and the SWAT team approached him and said, drop the plate, yeah. because legal to feed the I mean are we Christian or am I getting that confused <laughs> yeah. you know like it's that secret Luciferian satanic agenda where we're not allowed to do these things in New Zealand uh, there was there were prohibitions about growing organic food um, you know that we are not allowed in Canada a few years ago they tried to stop to make it illegal for us to grow our own herbs like rosemary, thyme, parsley, mm -hmm. you know, uh, ta uh, tarragon. And I would tease my friends that I had a grow up in my planter boxes out back because I was growing herbs, you know, because they have healing qualities and you have to be a doctor to deal with anything with healing qualities. So we weren't allowed to do that. You know, God forbid they should hear about lion's mane, mane mushroom, uh, which um, are purported to cure everything from cancer on down, you know. So who's running it? Well, heavens, I don't know who's at the very, very top, but I do know that we are under enormous misinformation. And I am urging, begging people that whatever your field is, Look for the misinformation campaign in your area and uh, start to speak out about it. Do something about it. Start getting in there and making change. You know, I know a dentist who really spoke out about uh, mercury filling. Sure. You know, but I mean, there are consequences for those of us that are at the beginning of this. But those of us at the beginning just have a bit more courage. Like you have courage doing your show. I'm sure you've had things happen. Yeah. That were discouraging for you, and uh, you know we all have, but somewhere we have to start, and this is the start of it. Yeah, I really like your perspective. I hadn't thought about you know it's interesting the way that I had thought about it before. I actually kind of uh, got into this, and I, I sort of talk about you know starting to go down the rabbit hole. And where do you start? I mean, my interests initially were in uh, economics and, and politics. And that and then I was like, that was when I first was like, you know, this doesn't seem right. Something's not I, I've studied these things and there, you know, some there should be some kind of rational 
discourse going on here and human beings working together to create something using this information that I've studied. And so I started going down the rabbit hole there. And then, of course, I learned about, you know, the central banking system and the fiat currency system and all of that. And 9-11 happened. And, you know, that was kind of what ended up doing it for me. But I've noticed over over the years of doing this kind of research that there are different places. You know, for some people, it's the vaccines or for some people, it's the satanic ritual abuse or for some people, it's the entertainment industry. You start to go down the rabbit hole and then you start to see this big picture where it's all connected. Um, But I had never before really thought about it in terms of everybody's profession. And I like the way that you're putting that is that whatever profession you're in, whether it's my son that's going into the music industry or I'm doing journalism or you're doing, you know, counseling, then, um, you know, we can all find where the misinformation has infiltrated our particular field of expertise and then start to work against it. And you're, you're right. I mean, I, uh, I essentially had to stop working with our local radio station, which is where I got my start because, and all, I didn't even put it in terms of any particular issue. I just said, hey, people have freedom of speech, right? This is the United States of America. And I couldn't get anybody to even talk about it. It was the NPR crowd was just like, no, this is an NPR station and we're going to do everything we can. And they literally used the term the crazies. We're going to do everything we can to keep the crazies off the radio. They thought they were protecting the radio station and really... They were just engaging in censorship because they wouldn't even let you have a conversation about, you know, much less fourth dimensional extraterrestrials. You know, they we couldn't talk about chemtrails. You know, we couldn't talk about 9-11 truth. You know, if you started I on I had a show and I would just I, I had to be careful about what I said. You know, I'm so happy to be on the Internet now where I mm-hmm. can just have people like you on and not have to worry about getting backlash from the people who are, you know, from the station manager. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. no, it's true. And, you know, the dentist I'm thinking of has taken a bit of heat for his stand on mercury fillings. And we all have, every single one of us. I spoke at a workshop in uh, Prague a couple of years ago, 2016, and four of the six speakers have been targeted legally. Wow. So, I, I mean, it's, it's there. You've got to have this great equanimity, you mm-hmm. know, to be deal with it. But come on, folks, we need some backup. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. I, I'm thinking about the people that I've interviewed. I interviewed Dr. Andrew Wakefield about the vaccines. He lost his medical license for standing up. And all he was ever even saying which is the the most outrageous thing. He was just saying, gosh, I think we should look into the vaccine thing a little bit more. And then he got hammered and everybody thinks his study was a lie. Like what was, there was the study, all he was doing was recommending looking into it more. That was it. That's all he did. And he got, you know, you're out of here, man. We can't look into that. (laughs) So I know. And it's ridiculous. And I'm really happy that there are uh, fine people such as yourself giving those of us who are in our particular fields, voice. And I really thank you for that opportunity, Doug. Well, absolutely, Sandra. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing too. Let's just um, start to go into conclusion here then. And if you have anything to talk about in terms of, you know, what it is to heal from, you know, from certainly the, uh, 
the more extreme forms of abuse, but then even healing from the mind control. I think that we've all experienced a certain amount of trauma, frankly, and we're all engaging in a, in a, you know, this awakening is actually part of engaging in a healing process. Um, so if you just want to give some closing words about that and what we can do to help the process along for ourselves and for our community and our families, um, and then we can, uh, we can go ahead and close it off. Sure. Well, um, for me, healing is multi-level. It is diet, exercise, um, grounding, cognition, uh, sleep, absence of substances, uh, energy balancing, faith. There are so many aspects. And uh, music, I mean, and you can heal yourself with any of these things. So I would urge people to find out what works for them. And it's not a one situation fits all. Uh, but I do believe that energy balancing is a massive key to this. And Shiatsu, uh, Tai Chi, um, Touch for Health, One Brain, those sorts of things. And I have a very simple method. Like I really love Gary Craig's work on emotional freedom technique, but I think, of course, that mine is just as good. And that is swaying. And you need a bilateral motion that crosses the midline. Uh, you will only ever do what gives you energy. So if it gives me energy to uh, do something bad as opposed to something good that will get me ahead, then I'm going to do that bad thing because that bad thing is trying to show me where to heal myself. Okay? But if I find out the incident, and you have to find out the incident to get the deepest healing, you find out what it is, and then there's a really simple swaying technique. Like I release the vibration of um, feeling I'm unloved, okay? I forgive myself for ever having allowed that vibration in my energy field, and in its place I welcome and receive the vibration I am loved. And I welcome and receive that vibration along with the spiritual, mental, emotional, verbal, energetic, social, physical, behavioral, karmic, historic, and genetic circumstance to support it into my energy field now. And that now is really important. And if you get a bilateral motion that crosses the midline and you follow your fingertips with your eyes while you have that intention, it will change the energetic load and it'll make it easier for you to do the right thing than the other thing. So uh, I would encourage people to learn that and how to do that because you can do that yourself. You know, it's really so easy and simple. Right. Uh, or look at Gary Craig's two-hour free seminar online. He's great. Um, keep your eyes open and and spend your time wisely. I mean, how many of us spend our hours every day glued in front of a television, watching things that just reinforce all the programming, basically? Yeah. You know, there's so much of a beautiful life out there. Get out and experience it change it, you know, make it better, make your life count, because every single life is important. Well, thanks for that. I mean, I, you know, just to add to that, too, the one thing that I've noticed is that, you know, this, this culture, this European culture has such a tendency to uh, think that 
things are, are better if they're more complicated. You're more intelligent if it's more complicated. But actually, so many of these healing modalities are just having the discipline to do some of these simple exercises in a way that can really, you know, clear your energy and raise your awareness. And as long as you start, you know, if you can be simple, especially like everybody knows how to eat better, get a little bit of exercise, you know, <laughs> but it's not easy. But if you, you know, if you can make those lifestyle changes, then that's what's going to make a difference in your life, you know? And so hopefully, hopefully people can, you know, start to start to put health first and break some of these negative patterns that are really helping the powers that be have the kind of control that they do over us. So anyway, would you like to give out your contact information one more time so everybody knows where to find out more about you? And then we can go ahead and finish it up. Sure. Uh, I'm Sandra Fick, S-A-N-D-R-A, F as in Frank, E, C as in Cat, H, T as in Tom, at rogers.com. And my website is www.sandrafeck.com. And uh, yeah, I welcome inquiries. I do online uh, interviews with Skype and uh, telephone. Um, I also come and deliver workshops and speeches if I'm invited. So I look forward to hearing from your listeners. All right. And thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate this information. It's nice to get, um, you know, a, a firsthand account from somebody that's really seen some of the damage that can be done um, by this ritualistic abuse. And, you know, somebody who's experienced firsthand some of these more far out perspectives that a lot of people really have a difficult time uh, just believing, you know, when they hear it on the Internet or whatever. So I'm, I'm, I really appreciate that you have the courage to stand up for that and, you know, help help spread the word so that other people know what's really going on. And I just want to take a second, too, to remind all of my listeners that if you like what you're hearing, I could use some support. You can help me out on my Patreon page. That's patreon.com backslash the shift. If you want to find out more, you can find out on uh, Facebook at my Facebook page, The Shift with Doug McKenty. Join the conversation on Twitter at D McKenty. And my website is www.theshiftnow.com. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Sandra, for being on the show. Um, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep in touch and I'll keep up with what you're continue the you know, work that you're continuing to do. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too.